Welcome to the seventh best reality podcast to listen to after you've been to watch Survivor according to ScreenRant.com. We survived the apocalypse, so you don't have to. I'm Johnny. And I'm Shane. Oh, that's your new re- intro. <laughs> like it. Uh, and this week, if you thought COVID-19 was bad, then hold on to your butts, because we're going up against the Andromeda strain. Scary shit. I couldn't think of a good reference from the Andromeda strain there, so I just like picked one from Jurassic Park, because it's also <laughs> uh, Michael I mean, Crichton <laughs> book, so... I mean, always just... Go with Jurassic Park, if in doubt. Yeah, yeah. Good, and yeah. if I have one, if I had one criticism with the Andromeda strain, is that Samuel yeah. Jackson wasn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a pretty big problem. Yeah. What a movie! I was, uh, yeah, it's it's fairly good. I really enjoyed that. The 1971 version, of course, is what we both watched. Which um, we should say to people. So, yeah, if you happen, if if this is one of the episodes you're just listening to because you like the podcast and haven't seen the film yet, you should definitely yep. hit pause and go watch the movie because it's so good. Yep. Actually, wait, don't hit pause yet. Before you do that, uh, make sure to vote for us in the My Roadcast competition. <laughs> just want to get that plug out there yeah. really quickly because this will actually... This will be the last uh, plug for it because by the time you're hearing this, there will only be a couple of days left. So oh, uh, yeah. you really have to vote if you haven't uh, or if you have already, maybe you can vote again. I don't know. We uh, we were doing well because they show like the, the most voted, the kind of the leaderboard on the main page. And I think the first time we put out a plea, we were on the first page. We're probably like number six, but then we dropped to the second page a few weeks after, and I think we're on the third page now, so uh, things are getting, it's getting dicey, so we really need the help. Yeah, gives a a vote, get us back up there. It literally, it'll only take a few seconds, Uh, the Andromeda strain could kill you in less time than it'd take to vote, it's, it's... Three clicks. You click the link, then you click vote, and then you click sign in to either Google or Facebook, and then you vote. It's it's very simple. And we ask you for nothing. I can't believe it's that quick, because I I had hoped that it um, had just affected the brain first, and then slowly uh, coagulated the blood throughout the whole body. There's no way it can coagulate that quickly. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go vote. I was trying to think of a quote, uh, something like that. Anyway, That's yeah, a, yeah, an abbreviation of it. I was just—I thought you were uh. talking about the vote, and then that's, it. <laughs> that's um, what I was going with. I was trying to confuse you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, definitely, you can vote probably as quick as uh, a drama strain can kill you. Yeah, and like, look, we we've been pretty uh, consistent with episodes the last few weeks. I feel, um, almost. Come we're on. Over- we're almost back to a weekly podcast, so I'm going to say this. If we don't, when that competition's over, if we don't win, it's going to be an episode a month. We're going to be back to, at best, <laughs> at best. If we don't, if we get runners up, maybe, you know. Four and ah, I was going to say three weeks. If we're top, if we're in the top three, which I don't think there's even a prize for, but I at least want to see us. If we're not on that first page when voting ends, then yeah. annually, <laughs> or we year, just we year. just become a Patreon podcast. Everything just oh, becomes yeah. a Patreon. <laughs> but look, we won't uh, stay going on about it. Uh, 
If you're a, a regular listener and you haven't voted by now, you probably won't, but uh, it is very easy. It's just the link in the description of this episode. It'll probably be the only link. You just hit that, you go to the page, you hit vote, you hit sign in through either Google or Facebook. It'll count your vote and uh, that's it. I think you can vote uh, on two accounts, your Google and your Facebook, but maybe it's once a day or whatever. Uh, You will only be able to vote twice. And look, by the time you actually hear this, it'll probably be the last day. Uh, I think submissions close on the 22nd, which is when this episode should be going up, uh, Randy Couture's birthday. But I'm not... 100% 100% sure if voting stops when submissions stop. Uh, there's probably a few days leeway. I think there was last time. So uh, please do vote. You know, get your friends to vote if you if you really want to go all out because uh, it's looking like we do need the help. And yeah, this is the last time we'll be going on about it. Depending on how it goes, this will probably this could be the last time we'll ever go on about anything like this if it doesn't work out for us. Uh, but yeah, so please vote; it'd mean a lot. But yeah, back to the Andromeda strain. There was no, uh, yeah, no smooth link there. But uh, yeah, what a movie! That was incredible. It's it's one like I've heard a lot mentioned over the years, and I kind of knew nothing about it except that based on the name that it's about. I've, alien virus basically yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> but i i didn't know it was this like scientific procedural isn't the word it's it's all about the methodology that these scientists go through and so i just didn't expect that and it just blew me away like the yeah, yeah. the attention to detail and the patience this movie has for itself i just found incredible yeah yeah so like just to fill people in quickly if you for some reason you aren't going to watch it (laughs) uh it's a a book by michael Crichton from 1969 uh adapted by robert wise in 1971 and yeah the story just centers around uh the wildfire project which is a initiative to investigate uh an alien organism that uh crash landed in arizona on a satellite and I mean, I guess that's just the basic plot. That is pretty much just a plot. We're obviously going to go into it more. Yeah, like a military team is dispatched to the village Piedmont, Piedmont, Piedmont. I think. Oh yeah, they say it so many times in the film and in the book. I know. I'm <laughs> I think it's I think it's Piedmont. Um, yeah. yeah, and the team, the the leader, uh, Doctor Stone. Yeah, uh, he, he's the one who set up. Uh, wildfire convinced the government it was a necessity uh, so him and one of his colleagues go to investigate after the the first military group that are sent in to investigate uh, don't come back and they find uh two survivors and it's about so like and everybody's dead and some people have died instantly and some have committed suicide yeah. some people yeah they people have either gone insane or they died like instantly there's literally people have like just dropped in the street right where like they it are it looks like or, a, a cult mass suicide when you come when they come across the heaven's gate cult or something yeah, yeah but then there's kind of yeah it's just people like literally in the middle of doing something they just dropped dead instantly like they didn't have a chance to even realize yeah. something had got them yeah, it's crazy but anyway so they, and they find two survivors and this is our introduction to wildfire now now they're going to we see him like get getting together 
like Army of the Dead, getting together the crew, or, or the, him yeah. sending the military to get his crew, and they're all the members yeah. that have been selected uh, to take part in this project in yeah. a worst-case scenario, in a, a biological disaster. And so that that's yeah. essentially the rough plot of the film. Yeah, and it's about the team trying to figure out the the virus or the the germ, the strain, whatever it is. It's just them trying to figure it out. Um, do you think I meant to say this? To you, yeah. Do you think this was like the origin of the team assembly in a movie, <laughs> um, or did the original Rat Pack do it first? I wonder. I've never seen the original Rat Pack. I've just heard it's a terrible movie. Um, or the original Oceans. Well, I think. Uh... Seven Samurai is probably... Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Haven't thought of that. And then The Magnificent Seven. Yeah, yeah. Which is a, a remake of it. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's kind of where that whole thing comes I'm from. I'm trying to think like, what... Like, get your team together. Yeah, I mean, that's where the, the whole... The, the hero's journey and all this. Yeah. What's the what's the book? The Hero with a Thousand Faces or whatever that... Thousand Faces, yeah, yeah. Which is a funny thing because it's it's this thing. It, it pretty much says that there's only like five stories in the world, and they all follow the same structure, and all yeah. this. And it's not actually true, but because everybody read that book, they're now they now write all their stories in accordance with the devices that that book says that all stories use. Yeah, but it's not actually true because he used it for Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, and like the Seven Samurai and stuff does like they do fit into it, but not every story like. You can pick, like, Dracula does not follow yeah, that yeah. outline. Did, did you, just because we did Army of, De- of the Dead as our last episode, did you hear um, that story that um, Zack Snyder had pitched to George Lucas before Lucas sold to Disney, before he sold Star Wars to Disney? Um, he had pitched that he wanted to do Seven Samurai in a Star Wars movie. Right. George Lucas's reply was, "But Star Wars is Seven Samurai." Isn't <laughs> like I've already done it because uh, of the whole like hero thousand faces thing. It's like, <laughs> but is Star Wars Star Wars isn't really Seven Samurai? Well, no, it's because no, but it's going back to that the um, like Seven Samurai or Magnificent Seven, whatever, kind of relates to that. That's those archetypes. And then Star Wars is based on those archetypes. Well, I assume with Zack Snyder's idea, because like when he, like if he, if I heard him pitching that, I'd assume what he means is that, okay, so there's some settlement on some planet that's been attacked and a disgraced, yeah, yeah. A, a disgraced Jedi agrees to help them. And he goes and gathers up a group of other Jedis to help defend the, that's a yeah, good, yeah, that'd be a great Star Wars. That sounds fantastic. It's a great idea. Uh, that sounds more like, I think, there's an episode of The Mandalorian that's probably already done it, but... Yeah, they've done it pretty close. Just the the Prison Break episode and... Um, it's well, there's definitely good. one, isn't there one, where, like, some, like, what would you... A raider group ha- have control of an Atat under attack in oh, this village. Oh, the village of... That is a great yeah, episode. That's, that's pretty, pretty much... Second episode. Yeah. yeah, so that's that is pretty seven much... Summer, yeah. yeah. Well, I assume he pitched it before The Mandalorian happened. Oh, no, yeah, he pitched it years ago, like before Disney even bought. It sounds like George Lucas hasn't actually seen The Seven Samurai. <laughs> you know, he read that, <laughs> he read all this stuff about the hero's journey and how Seven Samurai follows it, and he thinks that what he done yeah. is the same as The Seven, the seven yeah. Samurai. That's really funny. But it's like, you take George Lucas, he's 
the guy with great ideas but not a great writer and then you take Zack Snyder who's like um loves just translating stuff directly visually um but doesn't seem to understand the context or the subtext of stuff. Mm. <laughs> it's not a great team so, but both of them great filmmakers but they uh, have their faults I suppose but uh oh, back to the Andromeda strain <laughs> yeah, yeah so uh yeah directed by Robert Robert Wise who's uh got a pretty good track record with films in general uh strange director no carryover it's just like he just made whatever the hell he wanted oh yeah yeah well like a couple of sci-fis in there like a few horror movies but then also like west side story and the sound of music so strange directed one of your favorite movies day the earth's yeah. is um and also directed great oh, amazing directed movie. the haunting as well which is probably my favorite of his oh yeah this is probably next to it but I was watching a, a making of thing and there's like his interview actually it just kind of comes across cute because like he's fairly old like I think this was maybe his second or third last film to make and he's just talking yeah. about how like oh Universal sent me this book and asked me if uh, if I wanted them to buy it for me and just the way he says it sounds like a child ad. like he's talking about if they if that they were just like if you like this we'll just buy the rights and you can make it and name your price. But just the way he says it, they sent me this book and asked if uh, I'd like them to buy it for me. It just sounds like he's a child. But <laughs> well, really also funny. just sounds like Universal or just like anything this man wants, just if you, any film he Give wants to, to make, we'll buy the right, we'll get everything in yeah, place yeah. for him to make it. Yeah. This man gets whatever yeah. he wants. That's mad. Another thing, just because I'll forget this. So like he's directed all these like Oscar winning acclaimed movies genres he was also an editor before he was a director which you can tell oh yeah because a lot of the directing of the andromeda strain is in the edit like yeah, yeah. but he edited citizen kane so ah okay <laughs> which is another film that was is i don't know if they say it was saved in the edit but like a lot of citizen kane is in the edit and that's known as the greatest movie ever made so yeah that's a good track record yeah it's mad i didn't realize he did that um it's a great movie and the set of because the whole thing is based around <clears throat> they have um this facility they've built they keep going on about it because there's that uh there's, there's, sorry there's politicians and generals and stuff who keep going on about how it cost uh what's his name dr stone cost spent 90 million dollars yeah, on yeah. this thing they keep going on it's like it keeps going back to them being like so this 90 dollar 90 million dollar project on this and um this whole underground facility that as you work your way down through the levels you get cleaner and cleaner to so you know there's no contamination yeah, yeah. and all this kind of stuff and um so the huge chunk of the movie is about the facility mm. and um and it's just fantastically done and then um it's almost like a like a challenge like uh, you're working your way through like challenge rooms to get down to the yeah, bottom well, of it's actually <laughs> and stuff and um, the, the sort of writing there is very clever um it's not like this is said outright but but also so the the facility has a nuke at the bottom of it that will destruct in the event of yeah. an emergency because they don't want a virus to get out. 
sort of further down they're getting, the closer they are to a nuke, essentially. And the idea is it's meant to mirror uh, Dante's Inferno. So yeah. and you see that every time they go into an elevator, the voice, the computer voice in the facility says, I can't remember it verbatim, but it's essentially saying there's no going back once you enter this door. And that's meant to mirror the abandon all hope ye who enter. Ah, uh, yeah. There's loads of signs saying no exit yeah. this way and all that kind of stuff. And, and like it's a one way it's almost like it's a one-way system. <laughs> so, but uh, so to touch on that, um, the group of doctors that are selected to go to the facility, one of them is tasked with being the one who has a key that will stop the nuke from for, from going off. Once an emergency is declared, once a, anything has been contaminated, the well, the nuke is armed straight away, but then it's set for detonation if there's a contaminant. Yeah. If there's a contaminant, you have five minutes yeah. to cancel it. The only thing now the the film's a really good like solid adaption. It's hard to you, there's very little they left out. There's just stuff that changed, and the only thing I, I didn't like that they changed is that Doctor Hall, who's the one who is who has this key, and it's based on the fact that he's single, so it's just easier. Yeah. For, it'll be easier for him to make the choice. They pres- in this in the film he just yeah. he ha- he doesn't know that that's why he's selected and he's just like he never read the brief. No, they say they say to him, and because I was going to ask you this when we do get to our scenario of oh we're in this scenario, I was going to say so Johnny, you're as as the unmarried man is how it's specifically phrased in the movie is an, an unmarried yeah. male will be given is the yeah, odd yeah. man out as they called it. And, and I was like, so in our scenario, you have to be the person with the key. Okay, I'm but married. sorry, go back to what you were saying before that, though. You, you're saying they said... Yeah, he hasn't a clue. And then they have a thing where they're like, didn't you read your manual? Yeah. You're the odd man out because you're okay, an unmarried so, man. Okay, so what did I say that yeah. was different than that? No, sorry, I thought you were saying it was like he didn't know as if they didn't explain the unmarried bit to him. Sorry, that's how I understood the way you phrased no, it. I'm say- no, I said he, the presenter, he just didn't bother to read the brief. That's what I said. Which is what they, he says the line. Oh, I yeah, don't yeah. go in much for science fiction. Oh, yeah. But, but, but oh, funnily yeah, yeah. enough, <laughs> what I was getting to with that in terms of changes from the book. In the book, he isn't told. He doesn't know. Uh, he has no idea why he's there. All this, all the mentions of the odd. Oh, sorry. Yes, all sorry. the mentions of the odd man are redacted in the copies he's given. Which I much prefer because yeah. I don't like the idea that a doctor wouldn't bother to read briefs he's given for entering a facility like that. Like that was the only thing in the film that I just could not buy for one minute. Like, yeah. Um, the the other change, um, Levitt, if if that's how you pronounce her surname, she that's a male character in the book, but she's oh, really? okay. a woman in this, which is a good change. Oh, yeah, Reed, like, Levitt. Yeah. yeah, it's good. And she's very good. She's like one of the funnier characters in it, or the only funny character, really. Um, but she's quite good. She actually reminded me of the the pilot, the helicopter pilot from Army I of the Dead. I was just going to say that if they did a remake now, um, what's her name? Uh, Teague? Um, yeah, we couldn't remember her, la- her name last week either. That doesn't matter. <laughs> um, she but, she could play that character yeah, in a yeah. modern remake. Yeah, for sure. The um, the real funny because she keeps making these jokes, alluding to 
a previous life where like she'd been arrested and that she used to work in a bordello and stuff. Uh, I love to think that they're all true, though. <laughs> like, I know, me too. There's, yeah. there's mad prequel there. Though, it's funny, you're saying uh, the lady from Army... Tarot, sorry. Yeah, that she could play her in a remake. But let's be honest, in a remake... So first of all, in a remake of this, it'd be half and half, male and female. And they'd all be... Yeah, for, yeah. It'd be a diverse group, like of different ethnic backgrounds and all of that's fine that's good even but they'd also all be 30 and look like the cover of gq or she'd be played by like mindy calling or someone like that i don't know who that is um she's an american asian indian um kind of comedian actor person okay she writes shows and stuff um she, Boys, more, more she's always it. she's always that female diverse character in movies when, right you know, sorry. i was more getting at the fact that like they if they remade this now they would try they would do that thing studios do where to try and get like the woke points by like making it real diverse but they'd age them all down and make them really attractive because oh yeah yeah and it'd make no <laughs> sense because you're like but this facility, a facility like this, the only people working at would be people who have been working in the science field for 40 years. <laughs> like, they'd look how they look in this fellow, which I loved. Like, <laughs> like the youngest, the youngest person you, well, you see a baby in the film, obviously, that's the youngest person. And there's the, yeah. the assistant in Wildfire to, sure. to Hall. She's yeah. probably, she's probably 30. Um, yeah, but she's very um, much a supporting. Aaron, yeah. yeah, she's very much a supporting role. But everybody else is like fifties and sixties. You just you would never see that in a modern movie. No, because they're all like top of their field. They're the they're the professor, college professors, basically. And even the young guy who is the unmarried odd man out, Paul, like he's yeah, he's still maybe Hall. He's like mid to late thirties. And he's clearly a guy who's just spent his whole life becoming like the best surgeon in his field. Would you put him and in mid? So he didn't have time for anything else. I'd say. I would have thought he was 40s, like mid 40s. Just like and a good, maybe, a good mid 40s. Like yeah. healthy, but maybe not. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm a bad judge. No, no, I'd, I'd go with that. The character seems to be, yeah, I'd say 40, he's 43. Do you know what that actor's name is? Um, Oh, I have <laughs> sorry, but go on. Jimmy Olsen. He he went by James Olsen then. Oh yeah. <laughs> James Olsen. That's really funny. But he was I think he was credited as Jimmy Olsen early in his career, but obviously then <laughs> changed it. Because yeah. of all the Superman characters you could be named after, Jimmy yeah. Olsen isn't the best. Oh, yeah. But they're good char- they're good characters because he's kind of the young, naive guy, and of course, obviously for a movie they've made him the guy who doesn't know what's going on because he didn't read his brief so they can tell the audience what's going mm-hmm. on and um and then just dr stone who's kind of he'd be like yeah 50s and is in charge of the whole project he's the super genius behind everything and then the other two are like the uh, should be retired <laughs> um, yeah like in their 60s what's the name um was it dr dutton the um is he a pathologist or yeah, something? Yeah, he's, he's the really old guy and he's like in his seven. Like, does he, his introduction is him, like his his grandson, like he's oh. with his grandson and his wife is like, why do you have to go? And she doesn't understand what's going on. And he's 
tucking his grounds under the bed. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, uh, uh, no, it's great. I, I love the intro. My, my favorite was Stone's intro because his whole thing is he's having a house party and his wife goes to answer the door and the military are there and they're like, we're looking for Dr. Stone. And um, she goes and gets him and he's, and he's just like, I'll explain to you in the morning, dear. Yeah, yeah. She's like, what's going on? He's like, it doesn't matter. I've, I have an emergency. <laughs> She's like, what emergency? He's just like, shut up, silly woman. <laughs> 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 he's just like, shut your nonsense, woman. I'm off. Off to work. This is a hilarious, a hilarious thing too that just <laughs> says so much about the times. And like Robert Wise being yeah. an older man in that making of, yeah. they talk about changing Levitt's character to a female and it has an oh, interview yeah. with the screenwriter and he's just like, yeah, I just wanted to, and he's a macho guy. He's like, at the time of this interview's been done, he's in his eighties and he's just like, you know, I just thought, uh, you know, women scientists weren't getting recognition and it was clear there was quite a number of them. And then it cuts to Robert Wise's interview and I can't remember the, the writer's name let's say it was just Jimmy and he's like Jimmy came to me and he's, he said about changing uh, Hall to be a woman and I just I didn't get it and you know I called up some I had some scientists friends and I called up uh, quite a number of them just to you know, to see if they would have any problem, if there was any problem with that. <laughs> Just the idea that having a woman scientist was <laughs> ridiculous to him and he had to go and call up actual scientists and be like, hey, it's a, a writer writing a film for me uh, wants to make one of the scientists a woman. Is that a, is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, um, it's the sort of man is like, He's in a hospital and a female doctor walks in and he's like, nurse, could you fetch the doctor for me? She's like, I am the doctor. <laughs> Nonsense. Women can't be doctors. Get me a real doctor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I assume you're a gynecologist. I need a, I'm a man. I need a heart doctor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's funny. But uh, we're always saying this on this podcast, but I love shit like that in old movies. It's so entertaining because it's, just not the world we live in at all. So it's such a yeah, such a yeah. fun novelty, even though okay, it wasn't great for people for women at the time. But it's such it almost seems like it's ironically hilarious, like intentionally funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's, well, it seems like a sketch almost. Like, Shut up, yeah, you like silly woman! So, you know it's just so with that, funny. With that Robert Wise thing, there's like a strange, like innocence to it too. Yeah. It's not like he didn't have a problem where he wasn't like a woman can't be a scientist. He was just like conf- confused that well, are there women scientists that he didn't think there were, and he had to go and check. He had to go and fact check <laughs> if there were women scientists. Yeah. Because it's not like, well, once he heard the where, he was just, he was like, oh, well, I'm not sure I agree to that. There shouldn't be women scientists. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was just, he didn't know there were and had to check. Yeah, that's really it's, funny. And you'll probably find the the writer, like, his granddaughter was in her 20s and was a scientist. You know what I mean? Like, and <laughs> that made him th- even think of it. You know? <laughs> yeah, or, well, like, he just probably knew, like, he probably just had a subscription to some science journal. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. just saw yeah, women's yeah. names appear. Yeah. Whereas just Robert Wise just wasn't in that world at all. Yeah. But, and so he was just real shocked by it. Yeah. It's the same, like, in, even in, in so many things, like, one of the biggest, um, sci-fi writers of the 60s and 70s he worked loads on star trek was um a writer credited as dc fontana but it was like dorothy 
Fontana was her name, but she yeah, changed yeah. her name on scripts to just DC Fontana, and then she got loads of work based on the merit of her work. Yeah, and, um, that was a, always a big thing. A big thing. Yeah. Loads of uh, writers. It's a big thing it. now again, but it's the opposite. Like a lot of like young yeah, adults. I was thinking. I was thinking of. I was thinking of writing a, a chiclet novel and calling. Yeah. Just excuse me. I think a lot of the, a lot of the young adult stuff now are written. Um, well, not a lot. A lot of the males writing young adult novels, right? Use their initials. Yeah, yeah. I, I always find it funny where because um, I've especially like that with um, those um, YA novels, as they call them, young adult novels and stuff. That a lot of them are very classic, like old school sci-fi ideas, just with the love triangle thrown into them, and then suddenly people think they're amazing and love them. People who would never read like Isaac Asimov or um, Philip K. Dick yeah. or anything. <laughs> they're all just the exact same though. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's driving me mad. I can't think of the one, the name of the other one. Anyway, we're talking about Andromeda Strain. We finished up with uh, Robert Wise, shock after yeah. being women, women scientists. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's a great character, actually, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, Levitt or Levitt, yeah. Now I'm trying to remember. I think maybe I could be wrong. I could be remembering this wrong, but I think in the book it might be her that ends up, or or him in the book that ends up uh, being in the room when the seal is broken. But oh that doesn't yeah, matter. rather than the older doctor. Uh, yeah. yeah. Other than the, I I might be wrong on that, but they're the only things. Those two things anyway. Um, halls how Hall is kept in the dark and her being changed to a woman are the only things I could like watching the film that I can remember yeah. being changed which is amazing that like that's brilliant other than that it's pretty much like a word for word adaption like it's obviously it's two hours there's there is a lot left out but you can't tell what what those things yeah. are that's how good of an adaption it is and it's a, it's a long it's a long two hours but as well it suffers a little bit from that kind of it works for it later on when they're in the facility. Um, but in at the very beginning, it has that real like tedious thing of um, where you have to see every detail of everything. Every character does of like, you know, this kind of like there's, there's these military types and they're calling each other. And it's just like, Oh, we better call in. I better call this up the chain. And then you have like this really long, like, the major ghost walk down the corridor he unlocks a door goes into the room closes the door behind him picks up the phone dials on the phone you know it's all this, it's like, you could just have him on the phone going we have a fire situation you know what I mean like, <laughs> yeah I think in films like that that does a lot yeah. to like build up tension and stuff yeah though. yeah but like the last 10 minutes of this movie are so tense oh my god it really pays off in the end um that kind of tension and stuff but and, uh, i like uh, and i guess this is something different in the film how we see like they don't do a whole lot but we see like a hearing in the future yeah discussing the events from that happened at wildfire and also like there's a moment where so they don't get they they're not receiving information they should they should be receiving about another incident yeah. and it's because of just a simple glitch in the communications and we hear like the somebody in congress explaining what happened 
as a voiceover yeah. over the two technicians trying to fix the machine and not realizing that there's just like a wire caught somewhere that's stopping the bell from ringing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's just stopping a bell from ringing, so they're just yeah, not yeah. getting the signal. And I love that expression. They're like, "Why couldn't these two men fix this?" And it's like, "Well, actually, they are both electrical engineers, but it was just a piece of paper caught in a bell." But they were, um, what does he describe them as? Looking at an elephant through a microscope. Yeah, I was. That is great because it's so. It's like they're literally taking apart wires and testing contacts and stuff when all they have to do is just look over yeah. the machine a different from a different perspective. And it's so clever too, like and like it's very realistic in that this facility, it's this underground facility, it's like in a secret location above like a, a Department of Agriculture corn research facility yeah, like yeah. and there's a secret elevator that uh or no it's just like a, a tool shed and it's actually an elevator to the underground yeah, space brilliant. and all this like five different or well four levels of different levels of con- of decontamination before you even get to the bottom floor and all this but a piece of paper stopping the bell ringing can fuck up everything yeah and, which and is that's what happens in the real world like yeah, whenever yeah. there's fucking whenever like you look at all the like recent news with like hacks that stopped fucking water flowing and yeah meat manufacturing all this it's all like some simple glitch in some piece of hardware that was so simple that nobody was looking for it yeah and human error and and there's also there's a lot of um there's like politics at play and stuff like this because because they have the whole because their whole plan is their recommendation is so the town where this outbreak happened is to just nuke the town just wipe it out drop a nuke on it and that's their that's their standard procedure yeah yeah that's just what happens and basically the the president doesn't follow that procedure because he hums and haws over it and then his advice later on they realized that actually it, it was a good thing they didn't drop the nuke because it could cause a reaction with this m- molecule and all that yeah. kind of. and then the bureaucrat politician guy who's like they're the wall between them and the president essentially he's just like oh the president would be delighted that he was right i can't wait to tell him yeah. and it's when i was watching that i was just thinking like wow like you know the the antagonistic relationship between scientists and politicians has just always been the same. It doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like It's just always been that way, hasn't it? That like facts and science mean nothing in politics at all. And it's always been that way. That was a big criticism of the film when it came out, where there's people on both sides saying that it just wasn't a realistic portrayal of how the government would handle a disaster like that and how they deal and like my i would love to track down all those people who wrote that in 1971 in reviews yeah 50 years later like you're an idiot (laughs) you're an idiot for ever thinking this you don't even need to wait 50 years because like uh during the hiv aids pandemic the same thing was happening (laughs) like yeah uh it's just a hat and happened pre-1971 yeah but it definitely, yeah, happened a lot since. <laughs> but yeah, now more than ever, it's uh, relevant. And I think as well, the difference is that in like the 50s, 60s and 70s is the, the general public didn't really know what most 
senior politicians or even presidents were doing day to day as much. There wasn't yeah. as much press coverage of the way we have like, there's these like daily press briefings and all that kind of stuff with yeah, yeah. American presidents and press rooms. It wasn't anywhere near as prevalent. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, it's conceivable that an incident like this could have happened in 1971 and and the public never know about it, whereas I yeah, don't think I don't think it could now, not to that extent anyway. They'd have to make up a lot of big stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But that is what's interesting about this, that this was this is like a, a biological catastrophe that was narrowly avoided and the public don't even know how close they came. Yeah, I um, it sounds kind of weird, but like, and it's it's down to clever directing and editing, as you were saying, which is even though you have those kind of flash forwards to this conference and stuff like that, mm. by the time you get to the last like ten minutes and it's really tense and stuff, you kind of think, oh, I didn't think they'd actually like stop it or any of this would happen. Like, I kind of didn't think they'd prevent the virus from COVID. yeah you know it, kind I mean? of, it almost you feels kind of, like it, it's going to end with really ambiguously with it getting out or something yeah yeah and that that hearing is more bureaucratic stalling and maybe it'll, like i was waiting for him to be like and you really think that we're going to take responsibility for half a billion lives or lost or something that i thought it was yeah, going to yeah. go there and or then it's it revealed just like, that the, the hearing is in a bunker somewhere and yeah, everything yeah. above is destroyed um, That's what, like, like, at the beginning it felt like oh this is a really long twilight episode you know what i mean and then um but it becomes so much more than that and like so much more in depth and so and um but i just didn't i just didn't think they'd win <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean um well we we should get into the virus itself so yeah. it um well i'm already forgetting things we've talked about you did you mention at the start what it does oh you kind of did as a joke when we were talking about my roadcast you mentioned what it oh, does yeah. to the blood yeah yeah turns it to sand essentially yeah like <laughs> extreme clotting essentially <laughs> but uh it also will we learn pretty quickly it's it mutates yeah at a rapid pace uh and becomes a plastic eating virus at one point which you don't see that coming at all no like when you see the the pilot and his face his oxygen mask just starts to melt and you're just like what does this have to do with anything like what's happening? Yeah, and there's just green falling out. Yeah. This is going to sound really funny, but I had I watched this movie over three nights, um, like in kind of forty five minute intervals, kind of, and um, I had paused at the end of the scene just before that shot of the pilot, and I saw say the first two three seconds of that shot, and I went, "Oh, that's a good point to pause. I'll watch the rest tomorrow." It was kind of my <laughs> thinking, and when I went back and got back to that point to watch it. I was like, oh, am I on the wrong scene? Because now I can see that there's all this green stuff falling out of his mouth. And I didn't see it the first time. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was kind yeah. of one of the things. It's like suddenly my attention was drawn more to it. And I thought, oh, did I skip further into this scene? And I went back because I was streaming it. And I just was like confused that I'd gone to the wrong place yeah, or something. Yeah. You know, because like, for some reason I just didn't see it. Because again, it's just clever editing. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, that uh, that mutation seems to be really brief and very isolated it, it, uh, as well. The, it completely eats his flesh and all the rubber and plastic in the plane or something like that. Yeah, yeah. All the, like a particular, they, they don't realize it straight away because they, they don't know that a lot of the plane is made of uh, synthetic plastic, a polymer, so it doesn't. Yeah. It's not until they actually, when they're, cleaning up and to see that um, the mask and his skin are completely eaten away. That yeah. they both just contain, contain the same chemical buildup. But the idea is it could mutate again and eat the rest of the plane, you know? Yeah, yeah. and that's that's another big thing of it is that during that whole thing we're introduced to is, I think it's a general who just refuses to accept that it's connected to the virus. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, it was a human error and he crashed his plane. It's not related. It has nothing to do with it. But I guess you would never think that a virus that killed people by clotting their blood could two days later become a plastic or a petroleum eaten virus, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Um, and yeah, and so that's the funny. So because they, so they have the two survivors from Piedmont and the reason they're alive, well, one of them's an old man who has... Oh, what is the condition he has? He has an ulcer. Yeah, and he isn't treating it. But he's just taking fucking penicillin. Or not penicillin. No, he's basically eating, um, you know... Um, the alcohol, you know, and all burning the, the fuel for you burn. Yeah, you know the gel for like little camping stoves yeah, yeah. that you just... And then um, he's basically eating that gel. Um, what does he call it? Squeeze. Yeah, yeah. I think that is that is a thing people do. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Because you get because it's basically ethanol. So you yeah. Get drunk on it. Not and, advisable. Um, <laughs> the whole point is it changes the acidic alkaline balance of his blood, so the virus can't. Um, it can only live in a very specific pH. Is what yeah. Discover. And whereas the baby has just been screaming the whole time, essentially. So. So it's so it's. The way he's oxygenated his blood, funny from screaming. Yeah. Well, uh, the the virus works essentially in if you don't give it enough time to actually get into your bloodstream, it's not getting deep. Like the, uh, towards yeah, yeah. the end, when your man gets contaminated, they tell him to they they pump pure oxygen in and tell him to breathe fast, which would cause him to hyperventilate, but it will stop the virus from actually getting into getting, his bloodstream. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but by that point, and probably much earlier than they even realise, the virus isn't actually a danger to them because it's already yeah. mutated, which is just so, so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a great twist. It's already mutated enough. And they realise too that, uh, yeah, the, the it's a good thing the president decided not to drop the nuke in Piedmont and now they need to tr- deactivate their own nuke because it will just give the virus enough energy to produce in the billions and spread around the world which yeah, it was like it become a super colony yeah, yeah. Um, which is just a fantastic like everything just keeps getting progressively worse <laughs> for them yeah, it's brilliant because because it's such an alien virus that it it has no amino acids no um i'm trying to remember it's, it's basically like a crystalline yeah entity that lives off it just lives off energy so 
it just is constantly adapting to find different ways to use energy. So something like a nuclear blast would just give it all the um, the food food it needs essentially to just multiply multiple times. Yeah. yeah. So did you pick up on uh, did you pick up on any like references or not references in this film? But was there any things in this film that you noticed? Oh, that was so. That's what they were referencing in such and such. No. Um. No, I, I started. I noticed loads. So, like, a re, a, one, and again, I, I didn't, I hadn't seen this film before. Um, so, wildfire is the name. Oh, that's the yeah. virus in The Walking Dead, in the comics, anyway. I, I think it's the same in the TV ah, show. Ah, that's smart. Yeah. What else? There's loads of Resident references in Resident Evil, like the under the underground lab yeah. in Resident Evil. Uh, it's a t- it is a tool shed that's the elevator into the lab, the same as in the Andromeda story. Ah, that's really smart. But uh, one of my favorite is so when they go into the the agricultural, the Department of Agricultural place, whatever it is, uh, Stone. There's a secret code. The guy at the desk says, asks Stone if he has the time, and he says, "Oh, my watch stopped oh, yeah. at eleven. And then they say a line about the weather. And that's essentially the confirmation yeah, yeah. that he can go use the. That's the same secret code in Jericho that uh, Blackwater when when Skeet Ulrich goes to when it shows him going for his interview in Blackwater security. Oh no way! That's cool. Yeah, the secretary asks him for the time, and he says, "My watch stopped at 11 and that's and then in in Jericho the camera pans down, and you see she has a gun. So if you don't know the code, you get shot straight away, pretty much. But that's really yeah. cool. Huh. That's I'm really sure smart. there's, and I'm sure um, like it's it, it's a gem of a movie that it seems doesn't get a lot of recognition. But I imagine if you look for it, you'll realize that every move, every movie, yeah, every yeah. sci-fi movie since references it, references it in some way. I'm sure Contagion references yeah. it a lot. Like, yeah, it must do. That's really funny. Um, it's a oh, such a great movie. It's really well tied, and just even um, just like I love how just smart it all is. Like the facility and Stone's whole concept of everything, and the way like because he he writes the whole master plan of this whole facility and how things should be yeah. done, and that there should be the nuke and all that kind of stuff. And it's just so genius, like the whole level, even to the point where they're going in after right after that scene, um one of the characters opens a door to an office and he just goes, Oh no, trust me. It's real. This is a real department of agricultural office. And, uh, it's like, Oh, it's not like just full of empty rooms with yeah, mannequins. Yeah. In the captain employees <laughs> there might not know what's underneath. Yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Which is funny because they brilliant. don't die in the nuclear, they don't sign up for it and still, <laughs> they still die if anything gets there. Imagine that now, like you, you get a job at the department of agriculture and you're just, uh, growing different strains of corn to try and solve like world hunger in Africa or something, and then you just get vaporized yeah. one morning because <laughs> it's actually a secret facility. Now, how like do you think? How likely do you think there is it is that there's a, a is a facility like that somewhere? As in, with that level of secrecy? Oh, uh, I don't know. There's definitely facilities like that with close to that level of 
I suppose, caution? With yeah, like the, the, germ levels, things like the World Health Organization, like most of their, well, not most, but a lot of their headquarters have like massive underground facilities that have that level of security. I don't think they have a nuclear reactor at the bottom of them, but no, maybe they should. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to remember uh, exactly how it works, but there's different levels of clean room. And because I remember this is a big thing back when I worked in printing and it was a big sales pitch from Epson printers that they make their inks in, they fill their ink cartridges in this, like whatever to say, a level five clean room. Mm. And it means there's less than five particles to every square foot of air or something like this. So the idea being that their ink cartridges are like super super clean there's no outside matter in them they're perfectly sealed so don't buy the refillable ones because they're just done by a guy in the back of his shop with a, a syringe you know those even though they'll do the exact same thing yeah yeah that was like that was part of their big sales pitch and um but essentially yeah the rooms they get down to when they uh, at the very bottom of the facility of wildfire facility is like a, a zero level room like yeah just nothing, or as close you know, to like, as is humanly possible yeah 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 exactly because as they mentioned real labs like that exist you know like but they don't have to go through all the procedures they go through obviously to get there as they mentioned in the film the human body technically the most filthiest organism on earth yeah yeah more bacteria than like most animals that we think are disgusting and that we we yeah. actually carry more bacteria yeah like we're we're actually like more dangerous to a lot of like wildlife than they are to us in terms of disease we just never really oh, hear yeah. you know we never hear about the disease we give to a deer <laughs> you know no no because there's no de- there's <laughs> no deer doctors dissecting him and you know finding a human a human to deer transmission yeah. it was like smallpox blankets basically and watching this did you how, how frightened are you now of a space virus very <laughs> you <laughs> uh yeah i mean i guess it's a little easier to be frightened of antivirus in in the climate we live in but yeah. it definitely did make me think that oh if, if something like this ever does happen and there isn't a wildfire we're fucked yeah like, how do you deal with something um, of such unknown well, origin you see there's a lot of um there's a lot of like physicists and archaeologists and all that and they think a lot of matter that's already here came from, like, asteroids and meteors well, and comets I mean, that's, and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's just so true. Yeah, they basically pretty much think most of the water on Earth came from comets. It didn't actually yeah. just happen here. And it also so, evolved over billions of years, so it's a bit different than yeah, like yeah. a virus just hitting. yeah. yeah. Sure, there was just there in the news. Because, I mean, that's the week. same as, like, by that, using that same thought, well, like, all, all viruses that we currently have are just RNA. So it's just, they're made up of the same building blocks we're made up of. It's just that they've yeah. mutated and are doing something differently that kills us. Yeah. There is, um, yeah, there was just this week, there was a big story of um, scientists found out of some permafrost, this little microbe, creature that um is like twenty four thousand years old or something and um when they defrosted it it came back to life <laughs> and, oh yeah yeah they were like they were like oh fuck um what 
what is it carrying? Some virus we don't have like um, antibodies for at all or anything like that could be the next outbreak. Um, yeah. So that's kind of terrifying. But it's funny because like we, we talk a lot about, not you and I, although we've talked about it a bit, but you know, life yeah. in the universe, you know, is, is there life? Most people yeah. assume there is in, in some way, shape or form. So if there's life there, like the thing is like there is definitely space viruses out there. Oh yeah. You know, we'll just use Earth for example. Viruses outnumber all forms of life on Earth. So yep. if if life as it exists on Earth existed elsewhere in the universe, it would stand to reason that it would outnumber that life too. Uh, yeah. This is how, how prominent viruses are on Earth. If you, uh, I guess, de-stranded every virus on Earth and lined each one of them end to end... How far do you think they'd stretch? Just pick out a number. <laughs> I can't even like one hundred light years. I was gonna say like ten light years. I knew you were gonna say light years. <laughs> At like, least you were going with light years. Like, <laughs> I was hoping you'd go like you, you'd say the biggest number you could think of, and you'd go a trillion miles, yeah. <laughs> which would still be like a decimal point. Yeah. Like, I was gonna say, I was gonna say it'd be light years, but, uh, but then I thought I was going too far, so I just. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but 100 light years um wow and like we do have like astrobiology is like a a, a field of science but it's a relatively new field uh yeah. previously called exobiology i don't know why oh yeah but, uh, i guess um but and it is funny this is like Crichton like goes into this in the book talking about just biology in general yeah because, you know, the the book is written as though it's a document of a real life incident. And the film is kind of co- told in that same way as well. Yeah. And he talks about how, like, biology was such an, is such a new science that nobody had prepared for anything like this. And he points out that biology pretty much, as we know it, didn't exist before, for, like, the 20s. Yeah. Which I, I would have never really thought of, oh, but, like... That's bad. The fact that the the first heart transplant didn't happen until the late fifties, the first lung was a bit earlier, and he just points out, well, astrophysics existed in like the seventeenth century. Yeah, <laughs> in the time of Galileo, we knew more about how the planets moved than we knew about how the human body functioned. That's crazy, which is just insane to think about. And now, think about what biology can do. Like, think about how much we know about the human body now yeah, yeah and now we could now they're doing mad shit for their fucking like stem cells and like heating up blood and pumping it back into you and make giving you an extra 10 years and all this mad shit and the um, oh, what's it called the it's not t-cells is it the um we can make a uh, super mutants from fallout with um mm. yeah <laughs> the, yeah yeah rewriting rna um but 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 so to think of how well, how how new astrobiology is, imagine what we don't know and what we will know in 50 years. It's just a weird thing to think about. Yeah, that's crazy. Because <laughs> so far, sorry. No, I'm just thinking about you saying the first heart transplant in the 50s. And it was like the guy lived for like three weeks in, the, in a hospital bed. <laughs> so. I want to actually check that up now because I'm curious if that is right. Because it is a, there's a tricky thing. Oh, in 1967. Uh, still, that's well. That just means it. That just means it's more recent, I guess. 
what are we talking about? Oh, well, yeah, astrobiology as, yeah. A, as a new science. But yeah, the t- so like it, there is like astrobiologists now, like that's a, an official like role within different departments and stuff. Yeah. But they're still mostly focused on like finding out about bacteria in space yeah, rather yeah. than viruses. And, and it's essentially because well, they know so little about viruses on Earth that they haven't even touched on the study of viruses in space. They're still on, like, microbes and bacteria and fungi. That's yeah. what they're focusing on. Sure, it's um, it's like what well, a big part of their hope to find, like, bacterial life on Mars. And I remember the satellite that met the comet and took samples from it and all that kind of stuff. Like, they're hoping the same, that they might actually find a microbe that they can study, but obviously it never comes mm. back to Earth, but they can they can analyze it and just figure yeah, out the breakdown yeah. of its elements and all that kind of stuff and give us some insight. Because um, that was a big thing with the one that landed on, I can't remember the name of it now, um, that landed on the comet. Um, and the whole idea was they were hoping they'd be able to analyze it and say definitively like, oh yeah, this is made up of the exact same stuff our oceans are made up of. Or, you know, the... the like oh yeah so our water definitely came from comets you know those kind of things like they wanted to yeah yeah definitive about it Uh, yeah like they they find a lot of like mainly their study now is like viruses their viruses brought to space on satellites and on space rockets yeah (laughs) and just the fact that they they survive there is enough for that is enough of an interest to them that's crazy um because they found, like, it only recently in, like, the last month or two, they found, they, uh, found like, three different viruses on the space station. Now, they are all of our origin, but yeah. they found them, <clears throat> or, like, whatever, after researching them, determined that they had been there three years or something. Like, so that they're bacteria from Earth that lived in space for three years. That's crazy. Meaning that they can perfectly um, adapt and survive there. So if, if, if a bacteria from Earth can survive on the International Space Station, a bacteria from another planet could too. Yeah. All it takes is a planet to break apart and enough that organic matter surprise i've made a note of this just because it's funny in 2020 uh japanese researchers found uh pellets of dried bacteria stuck to the exterior of the international space station that were that they reckon survived for more than five years and they nicknamed them conan the bacterium (laughs) (laughs) for its ability to endure extreme conditions that's pretty cool like that and like that's uh important research too because a lot of the these fungi and bacteria would help you farm so they think that this could be how you could call if you can if this bacteria can last for five years in space it could be the key to farming on mars and shit like that i don't really know how you'd know more about that you do um yeah it's something i got into really into about two three years ago and it's all about um because there's this whole thing with um, no-dig gardening. So it's all about um, building up, essentially putting constantly putting compost on your beds. It's, it's really expensive to do unless you have access to, like, fields of, st- like, ma- organic matter that you can then break into compost yourself and you're 
essentially working at it full time. Yeah, anyway, yeah. but the whole thing is it's all about you're supporting the natural bacteria and stuff. And I, I did a pretty good job of it down on in my raised beds that um, you put your hand into them and you lift the soil a little bit. Like there's just this layer of um, mycelium, like a fungi, like mushrooms, like spider webs under the soil and stuff. Mm. And it's been proven and that basically if you if you encourage this kind of biology, you're creating a much better environment for your vegetables to grow. Yeah. And that it's all about this whole like food chain of the microbiology and essentially you're, like you're you're growing a probiotics in your soil so your vegetables yeah. have a better, healthier life and all that kind of stuff. And um I've gotten really into that kind of stuff and um, putting constantly putting different organic matter. Like I put leaves one year and the next year I put seaweed and all this and I constantly building yeah, it up. And stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. It's deadly. But um, that's like in the Martian, he has to use uh, shit in the mm, soil mm. to create bacteria to make it actually grow because it needs fuel. Like the plants need fuel, the potatoes need fuel. Um, they don't just have soil and just grow from nothing. I I always think of this is one of these things. I always think of plants as like a factory. So you take something like a carrot plant, and you take a bunch of dead leaves that you can't eat. They're in a format you can't eat, and you plant a carrot plant in the middle of them, and it takes the nutrients and ingredient and makeup of those dead plants in that matter and it, in it it goes through a factory where it transported it sits into something that you can eat mm. but you're getting nutrients that are in the soil so if you have really good soil you're gonna have very nutritious food and that's what it's all about so you you get out of what you put in you know and yeah it's yeah. a it's a big part of it so i'm i'm quite i get nerdy about <laughs> about <laughs> soil <laughs> um, <laughs> Like so, that weird kid, you're like a weird kid at a soil collection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just these jars full of soil. Yeah, I keep it next to my <laughs> ear collection. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so but they've determined that uh, bacteria can live in space anyway, based on that. But they have done yeah. tests uh, with viruses because yeah. we're talking about bacteria, but viruses are quite different. Um, uh, bacteria for people uh that's a free living cell that can live inside or outside the body virus needs the body uh virus needs a host virus is technically a virus isn't a living thing even though earlier i said that there was more viruses on earth than any other living thing but that was just a figure of speech it's technically right. not alive but right. they have done tests in i think in i assume in the international space station with viruses uh and polio is one of them polio can live in space wow so uh just yeah i guess that's something <laughs> like, to worry about give you a space rickets sorry <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing the reason like it's more likely or as likely the viruses would live in space viruses aren't like viruses aren't complicated or as complicated as bacteria they might be more complicated to understand and to fight but they're essentially just built up of two things like it's just dna and rna and a shell like a protein around them. That's pretty much all a virus is. It's just when they mutate and become a a disease that's killing people, trying to like 
re-engineer it to fight it is the problem but the basic structure of them are, are pretty simple so yep. there's no reason they wouldn't exist in, in space yeah they're really simple um things have you ever seen like models of them and they they almost look like like little robots that just swap out a protein and go that's mine yeah you can have this one instead and um, it just fucks it up uh, yeah, it's just that they, because they re, they require living things, so that's why they'd be harder to discover in space too, I guess, because unless they have a host, how do you even find them? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just a, a dormant, it's just a dormant virus on an asteroid or something. Yeah. Because uh, that's the other thing, like, because I guess, you know, you kind of think, well, with COVID, say, why we were looking for herd immunity is to, like, kill the virus. But it's not really to kill the virus. The virus won't actually die. It'll just go dormant and and eventually yeah. just won't be strong enough. Um, but And I guess like, if it goes dormant long enough, maybe that maybe you could argue that's technically killing it. But the conditions in space could allow for it to go dormant for much longer as well. So it could just travel for light years on the back of something. Yeah. And, it, you know, realistically, if it was on the back of a comet or something, it'd probably burn up and, like, enter in any atmosphere anyway, so it wouldn't be a worry. But, you know, the right conditions, if it was just cold enough and it was on a satellite, like in the Andromeda strain, which, you know, a satellite that was up up there to collect particles, so to give it a, tra- a transportation means, essentially. Which is know, exactly what could what happen, I guess. Because yeah. that's, um, that's a big thing that's revealed, actually, in, in the movie. I assume it's the same in the book, is that the... The satellite, which is called Scoop, or the Scoop program, is they're they're trying they it did exactly what it was supposed to do, which was to find a virus in space that they can use for um, germ warfare against the commies yeah, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> well, it's because it's the sixties and seventies. Um, yeah, and that'd be the most re- like yeah. I mean, I can see them being very interested in in real life in getting a space virus, so as they could re-engineer it. And oh like, yeah. A weapon out of it. I, I feel like they 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 would only spend that kind of money on wildfire if there was something like that to gain from it. <laughs> like most most yeah, I think most of those studies are probably more about uh, creating a weapon than like fighting viruses anyway. Sure, that's even like a, we we did the stand a couple of episodes back, but that's kind of the whole thing about it is that it's um it's like that it's a virus that the a government facility in a lab or obviously playing with or trying to mutate on purpose um that then got out and uh, caused massive yeah. uh, extinction and uh, and it's the same Don't, in I, in i am leg- well, I, do, I do have to I, I need to stop you for a second just so as listeners aren't confused the stand episode hasn't gone up Oh shit! Sorry. Yeah, yeah, cuz there's so much problems with that. It's like very hard. I gave up on editing it. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That was one where, like, yeah, we lost loads of sound for it. It's still, like, there's still something there, but, yeah, I just, <laughs> I spent way too long editing it, and there's still, like, an hour left. And I just, like, not getting episodes out, so we just recorded other ones. Yeah, that never went up, but it will eventually. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot that didn't go out, sorry. Um, <laughs> but as you were saying. The, yeah, yeah, sorry. And then in, um, certainly in the modern... I am legend, the Will Smith one. It's um it's the same. It's humans have tried to 
cure cancer by because that's one of the theories that of that we could essentially use viruses in our favor by programming them to do a specific job yeah yeah um i think how they describe it in i am legend it's like he's watching an old newsreel and it's the scientist says so you you know a virus does a very specific thing but if you a certain protein in it is like is like the driver of a car and that driver will only go straight up the highway where if you change the driver, he'll do a U-turn and go the other way or something like that. And it's so like, so yeah, we changed yeah. the driver. And they're like, so what have you done? She's like, we've cured cancer. And then like it cuts to um, the virus that's created the monsters in I Am Legend. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, the, um, like if it attacks cells, you would just try and engineer it to just attack the cancer cells. And- yeah, exactly, yeah. Which is a really smart idea and probably how we will end up curing cancer. But we might create some sort of zombies as a result as well. Yeah, but sure. Look, you can't you can't have a oh every way like we'll cure cancer, we might have a few zombies. Seems like a win. And we'll get a new sport out of it. (laughs) There's an interest and it's only mentioned uh, in passing kind of in the film but he goes into it a bit more in the book, is the messenger theory. Oh, Did you uh, yeah. pick up on that? It's mentioned very briefly, yeah. Um, I I love this theory. This is a theory put forth by uh, John R. Samuels, uh, a communications engineer. And it's mentioned in the book, so I looked him up because I wanted to find out more about this. And I learned that, oh, well, he doesn't exist. He's uh, This isn't a real theory. This is just something Michael Crichton made up in no for the way. book because <laughs> he wrote most of like in the back of uh the book there's a bibliography of all his sources <laughs> and like the books they were from and they're all made up <laughs> like which is brilliant but, and is it, it makes the book more genius. authentic that is absolutely genius i'm if i ever write a book i'm doing that <laughs> You have to do it so convincingly, though, that people would think it's... Uh, but so this isn't a... This is John R. Samuel's theory in the book, but I guess this technically makes it Michael Crichton's theory. But I could ju- I'm just going to read it from the book, because you like this. This is really cool. So it'll be a bit long, but uh, the messenger theory had come from John R. Samuels, a communications engineer, speaking before the fifth annual... Co- no, I can skip all that. This is what he said at the conference. Let us say a culture wishes to scan the universe. Let us say they wish to have a sort of coming out party on a galactic scale to announce their existence. They wish to spew out information, clues to their existence in every direction. What is the best way to do this? Radio? Hardly. Radio is too slow, too expensive, and it decays too rapidly. Strong strong signals weaken within a few billion miles. TV is even worse. Light rays are fantastically expensive to generate. Even if one learned a way to de- to detonate whole stars, to explode a sun as a kind of signal, it would be too costly. And so he goes on a bit more just talking about radiation. And okay, I'm going to skip all that till he gets to a solution. He just talks about how pretty much every method we could communicate with an alien race just yeah. would not work. Yeah, it just too far. Yeah. So you do not use physics to carry your signal. You use, you use biology. You create a communication system that does not diminish with distance, but rather remains as powerful a million miles away as it was at its source. In short, 
you devise an organism to carry your message. The organism would be self-replicating cheap and could be produced in fantastic numbers. For a few dollars, you could produce trillions of them and send them off in all directions into space. They would be tough, hardy bugs, able to withstand the rigours of space, and they would grow and duplicate and divide. Within a few years, there would be countless numbers of them across the galaxy, speeding in all directions, waiting to to contact life. And when they did... Each single organism would carry a potential to develop into a full organ or a full organism. They would, upon contact in life, begin to grow into a complete communicating mechanism. It's like spewing out a billion brain cells, each capable of regrowing a complete brain. Uh, He goes on a bit more, but essentially the idea is you would create a bug that... yeah. Would uh, turn into an alien, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, essentially. Or Or that, like... The lab in this other planet would un- would be able to figure out and engineer it, help it help it grow faster. Yeah, uh, but I just love that theory. Uh, I I actually thought at one point that's where it was going to go in this movie as well. I thought um, it was going to turn into because they kept talking about it mutating and changing, and I thought it was going yeah, to. Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to turn into like a sentient being at some point. You know. It feels like that's where it's going. And it's it's around that point in the book where this theory is mentioned. So the, the characters think in the book yeah. at this point that this might be what's happening. Yeah, that's really cool. I just love that idea. Um, the idea that you could like, because that's what, like, I've even heard viruses described like that before, that RNA and DNA is the message and the protein is the bottle. But yeah, I just love that idea of the the messenger theory. And even if it's not just like growing the organism, but just the idea that you would just use that as your message in a bottle just to send like the DNA of your species yeah. within a virus just to as a way of communicating. It potentially could be where uh, humans came from. That we're, uh, mm. we're actually Going into ancient alien shit now. Yeah, we could have just been manufactured in a lab and sent to crash here onto a an amino acid rich primordial planet to maybe COVID-19 came from space I'm just saying there's oh, yeah. no proof that it didn't I mean isn't that how the internet works nowadays <laughs> or news I mean, works still, it seems like they still don't actually really know where it came from which is amazing yeah. Uh, so who knows it definitely didn't come from space I thought it was because um, <laughs> Randy Marsh and Mickey Mouse fucked a bat no no. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, sorry, where you were, where you were going with that theory? Um, is is that sorry? Is that actually the that is that what South Park done with it? Um, uh, yeah, they did that as, but they also left it ambiguous that that might like they were like they think at one point Randy thinks that's why because when he was in China, him and Mickey Mouse fucked a bat, <laughs> fucked a bat. in an alleyway. And then they also fucked a, what's it called? A uh, thing, it's like an armadillo. The uh, Oh yeah, the, the thing they taught for a the while. Prog, um, I can't remember what they're called. Anyway. It starts with a P, whatever it's called. And, um, but yeah, <laughs> they just have these like flashbacks of him in an alleyway, really drunk, fucking a bat. Like it's a pro- like a prostitution right. stuff. It's really fun. Anyway, um, where I was going with that is, have you seen the, I'm going to say late 90s movie, Evolution? With um, 
Uh, yeah, but like, I can't really from, remember anything from it. What's it? David Duchovny's in it, and uh, yeah, it's. I, I think really Dan. Remember. I think Dan Aykroyd wrote it and directed it. Um, I know I've seen it, but I can't remember yeah. anything from it. But the main concept in that is it's basically a meteor crash lands on Earth, and it has all these like basic cells on it, but they react to heat on re-entry, which basically activates them, right. and very rapidly the cells start evolving so they go through evolution from like single-celled organisms up to say two-thirds into the movie they're like sophisticated primates um living in this whole ecosystem but it comes with it like plants and animals and everything it's um uh, they're constantly evolving to try and exist on earth's thing but it, but it's essentially the, it's like it's it's almost like this asteroid is like a cedar for seeding planets with life yeah um, so, but it's a cool concept it's 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 meant to be a fun silly movie yeah I remember that day. it's more yeah. of a comedy oh yeah um yeah and I guess uh, you know they could they could do something like that I think really if if they if like a virus was ever to be sent to Earth from space it'd probably be just a means to wipe wipe us out so as they could terraform it or something it'd just be germ warfare <laughs> Or it'd be an accident. Yeah, yeah, that's a great concept for a movie because you know, like, think of something like Independence Day, and it's the big spaceship comes down and starts fighting with the yeah. military, and also if we're actually they could just. just send I think that's. Fire I'm stuff. pretty sure that is what the story is with Army of the Dead. I'm pretty sure that the zombies are just it's yeah a, a plague essentially to terraform the beginnings to terraform earth but to get back to the scenario here so to put ourselves in it so earlier you yeah. mentioned about me being the odd man because i'm unmarried yeah but now why if, if i'm there for that reason why are you there <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i know i was trying i was so trying to think, think i meant to text you about this during the week i was like so is I there think so stone, where are we doing a podcast <laughs> so i think stone so stone was doing his research and he's putting together this list for wildfire and he got a google alert he's a subscriber to screenrant.com <laughs> and he saw this article about the seven or the ten best podcasts to listen to after you've watched Survivor. And he's a big Survivor fan. And he's like, Oh, I've just listened to Survivor and you know, this is a survival scenario. I'll read this article. And he read through it and uh <laughs> after he called up podcasts number one to six and got no answer, he landed on us and we accepted the call. And so that's why we're in Wildfire. <laughs> And we're both we're we're both given the key. Like we both it's it's three keys in this scenario, so we both have a key each because okay, yeah. The we're disaster artists, so if there's a disaster, we'll be able to decide if it's truly a disaster or not. Oh, that's that's and, smart. And we're yeah. like, are you sure Would about you? this doctor? And he's like, well, I mean, you are, you are. You are named the seventh best podcast to listen to. <laughs> what things are Every time we're mentioned, we're just like cut to him in like the Senna here. And, and who who were these Shane and Johnny? He's like, well, I mean, they were the seventh best podcast to listen to. Sorry, 
that's so silly. <laughs> but I think that's uh, perfectly a perfectly <laughs> reasonable scenario and realistic that that's why we're yeah. in wildfire. <laughs> the whole time I was watching the, the movie, I thought, why would we be there? And I was trying to figure out, and I came up with nothing. So that's a far better reason. It's better, better than not, and that's a great reason. Um, yeah, I like that. I was just going to say, in that scenario, you're 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 that character, and I'm that this character, and this is but this is how we react, or something like. That. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. but I like the idea. That it's just it's it's that exact team that's there, mm. plus you and me. And we're there because of our <laughs> we've unique really perspective to do. Like we're just like standing there for most of the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know they have like their they have their technicians that help mm. them and stuff. And like we can't even do that. <laughs> well, I mean you could <laughs> feed the baby, although they don't feed the baby, so <laughs> Yeah. You would just be the one yeah, yeah. you you would instead um, of the nurse, it would just be you in the hall being like can I feed the baby yet? Yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah, you'd be that kind of role. We'd be sitting around the the canteen just going, like, like it's all your body hair gone? Because, like, all my body hair is gone. Oh, yeah, that is what one of, like... Like I'm like I'm as like I'm as bald as Michael Jackson down there. It is all gone, Johnny. <laughs> I did find that funny, though. So, for listeners, there's a scene where in one of the levels to de- decontaminate them and stuff they'd pretty much get a layer of skin burnt off so quickly and so fine that you did not even notice it or feel any yeah, pain you're covered in dust but actually the dust is th- that layer of skin but it takes all your body hair they do it really well with that character because he's got a really <laughs> yeah. hairy chest and then he's like, smooth in the next shot but and you put you just put a mask over your face to protect your facial hair and head hair but like still would be as the potential to still carry any bacteria or anything is still as likely in that region as anywhere else. Like, (laughs) (laughs) really, realistically, they should all just be completely hairless. (laughs) No eyebrows, no hair, nothing. (laughs) But obviously, like, they would have had to have, like, tripled their budget to pay actors to be willing to do that (laughs) for a film. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of the whole um, the Doctor Sheffs and the seizures thing? Was th- is that in the book? Actually, I meant to ask you that. Yeah, yeah, but probably done a bit better in the book. Because um, in the first scene where she's going through the she's going through all the PT dishes because she's trying to check different. Um, oh, what's the word they call it? It's not grow matter. Um, grow medium. Well, like they're testing different grow mediums in petri dishes with the virus, and um, basically she gets one which is like it comes up yeah, no yeah. growth and it's flashing at her, and, and like as an audience member, you've no idea what's going on, why she's not reacting, and I was like, oh, is she asleep with her eyes yeah. open or what? Like it seemed, I I thought it was like really confusing until say two scenes later when they explain it but at the time I was like what the fuck's going on? But I suppose it's meant to be like you're meant to just be like wait what's going on? Like I think that's the purpose there's a, a small hint earlier when oh, you yeah. first go into fa- the facility she there's like warning lights red lights and she turns away from them and Stone asks what's the matter yeah, yeah. and she just jokes and says oh I just don't like red lights ever since my days of working in a bordello <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's yeah. part of that joke. Yeah, but still, that's just like a joke. Yeah. So, like you could easily not notice it, but it's definitely there. Uh, in the book, you see, this is why, and I could be just remembering it wrong, but this is why I think that she's the one who ends up contaminated in the book because I think she has the attack. The attack is what leads, she she collapses and ends up ripping her suit or something, and that's how she gets exposed. Ah, Whereas okay, in the film, yeah, yeah. and now maybe I'm misremembering that. But I feel like in the film, it just doesn't even matter to the plot. She just has a seizure and then no, like she's just, fine afterwards. And then, in, in fact, in the film, it's almost just a way to write her out of the final act. Because Hall just comes in it, and says, um, she had a seizure, she's it delays fine. them. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing is it delays them figuring out the yeah. pH levels thing. But only by like 10 minutes or something. <laughs> yeah, but you could find another way to to do that to to, to delay it and still have her. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, it wasn't a big problem, or anything. But I I I think it might have been different in the book that, and I I could be wrong, but I just feel like I mean maybe I'm just I, I'm just remembering it wrong because that's how I'd have written it. It just make more sense to have her have a seizure and rip her suit and get exposed and then be the one that's confined in the room, right. but. So, so in the scenario where we're there and they're like testing the rats, and then they get out the monkey, and we watch the monkey die quickly from the virus. That's where I'm like, can we do that again? Can like, we can be okay. <laughs> could we do that again? I, I'm not, I'm not sure that like that might have just he might have just been scared <laughs> at a heart attack. Can we just? You got anything bigger? Any right. any pandas? I've heard. Pandas are very close. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or not maybe not just a yeah. pa- any endangered animal. <laughs> I've I've never seen I've never seen a brown bear die of a space virus. I'm just saying. Um, do you do you have any interns that you don't really need? <laughs> What's funny actually Or just be like, do you do you think um I mean, okay, could be weird, but do you think it'd be safe to eat the monkey? Like, I'll barbecue it. Like, it'll be really hot. We could burn off any bacteria. Like, you'd think it'll be okay? It's just, it's just, I've never, A, watched a monkey die like that, and B, I've never eaten one. Um, so, you know, new experiences all around. Just and I do have the key to the nuclear reactor, I'm just saying. So, just going back to that monkey thing, actually. So, yeah, they test the virus on monkeys, and we see them die. Do you know how they've done that? I, I I read the trivia okay, well, tell the audience. It's oh, no, no, you tell them and then I'll tell what I thought they'd done. Okay, so obviously um, how they did it is actually genius because the, the room was genuinely a vacuum seal with no oxygen in it. And the little box the monkey's in, the, the robot arm lifts up with this door. So this bo- monkey's in a box and they pull it off the wall with these robot arms and they lift like the door like a sliding door of a typical trap that you think of and within five seconds the monkey basically is like clinging to the walls he's looking a bit distressed and then he just drops dead and so my first thought when i watched this movie is like oh they just killed a monkey for this movie that's a bit that's a bit mean and they'd already killed like two rats at that point anyway. And I was like, ah, yeah, rats, it's fine. And 
I was like, that was a bit mean of the monkey. He's like, oh, the 70s thing. <laughs> Get away with these things. Um, but what apparently what they actually did was they they did that for real. They essentially suffocated this monkey. But then the first AD was standing by with like an oxygen mask for the monkey and revived him really quickly. And they did it in one take. They just did it once. Um, so oh, yeah, well, okay. Well, so, so they, but they also, they, they lit a candle in, I, we're going way too long on what they did anyway i was going to say i watching it because this they also speed up the film because obviously it took it longer to pass out so the monkey moves a bit faster and that's yeah. what kind of threw me and so i assumed they'd done it a different way which i feel like would be would have actually probably been a far safer less crueler way to do it i assumed they gave it a sedative put it into a cage wait wait yeah. for it to wake up and then just reverse the fi- footage because it's sped up anyway, so it kind of looks like that's what they've done. And it'd have been far oh. better and like not as cruel as a box and like waiting until there was no oxygen and then just having a monkey pass out and then like pumping them. <laughs> so, that makes so much more so sense. The way they did it was so and cruel. Because it's a film from 1971, I assume that's because like that's how they've done every every trick back then was just reverse the film. <laughs> like but go back and just watch yeah, that like scene alien, and tell me the, that it does say look like that's what they've done i'm pretty sure if you gave a monkey a sedative and just let them wake up because they, they're quite confused they'd be quite confused when they wake up uh they might grab to the cage and stuff like that that uh yeah especially yeah. if they woke up in a different a place they didn't know so you could still get that reaction of panic um so i just assumed that that's what they've done and then when i watched the making of and found out yeah what they actually done i just burst my whole laugh and she's like that's so unnecessary (laughs) but they just created this like oxygenless room what what i found the most interesting about that was the prop cages they kept the animals in were real sealed cages (laughs) so they could do that i was like that is crazy well they apparently they borrowed a lot of that equipment like a lot any of the equipment that is like real that actually existed at the time is borrowed apparently and some of the stuff was even oh, yeah. hadn't been used yet but yeah, it was yeah. like in in beta i guess yeah oh it was prototypes and stuff because the um the whole um yeah i i read that the the entire set was at the time was the most complicated and detailed set for a movie ever built ever uh yeah i can see that though because it, it's the same uh, set designer as 2001 a space odyssey and i wonder is it more complicated than that that makes so much sense because 2001 is what 69 68 67 i think that always blows my mind but... yeah that's that old <laughs> It's such a weird sentence. 2001 is 69? Uh, like, out of context. What's he I want to put that on a t-shirt. That's brilliant. We're, 68, it was. So, uh, yeah. b- before the film, anyway. So, it, we're back to that scenario. So, you would obviously... So, we'd you'd watch a few monkeys dying anyway. We've, <laughs> we've answered that. How do you think you'd fare with the? So we both have the key. In this scenario, we both have to. It can't just be one of us. Yeah. We both have to put in the key. How do you think you'd fare in the situation in those terms? Like, would you be? 
Well, okay, obviously at the end, Hall has to, we know that the nuke going off, it's not just about us, it's the the world is at stake. Yeah. But just going into the scenario, before we know really what we're dealing with, how would you feel about having that power in your hands? I'd be so happy, Johnny. (laughs) 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 But, but But do you think you would be more likely to turn to put the key in, or would you be like... Yeah, no, maybe this is for the best. <laughs> I would. Well, like, it would, the, the, the idea is that, it, it, like, it would be stone that thinks it's for the best. So, yeah, yeah. I, like, do you think I'd you'd be, be really to, tempted, uh, right? I'd be really tempted to go through all the effort of getting your hand and your face lasered and getting away from the gas. And you climb through and you get to the car door and you get to the very last minute where you're about to put the key in and you just look up the camera and go, Nah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they so. But that's what they want. Like that, that, it's designed for that that you wouldn't. I know, yeah. Um, <laughs> but you just make them think you're going to do it, and then you just go, mm. "Huh?" <laughs> like you just drop the key to the ground and give the finger to the camera as it's like five, four, and three. <laughs> you see, yeah. I, you see, I'm the opposite because I think like even if. Like it's going to go off because there's been a serious breach and everything's at stake. I think I'd still be like, "Well, I don't really want to die just so as the world can survive." Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's um, no, um, yeah. I, I guess realistically, though, the, you know, in this scenario, obviously you want to stop it from going off because yeah. nobody stands to benefit from that but no i think realistically if you knew that if there was a, a a breach somehow and you knew that this virus was so dangerous that it could dis- potentially destroy the world you, you would just have to let the nuke go off but yeah. then also like i think you'd need to know you they would need to have like a lot know, know a lot more about it i guess because it might like just because there was a breach in the facility. Does that mean it gets to the next floor and the next floor and the next floor? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But that's. I'd like to know what other security precautions they have. Like, do we have to jump straight to nuclear detonation? Like, yeah, like you don't really. And it's um, can we just block off floor five and just incinerate everybody and everything on that floor first, and then see if the virus is still alive? I th- I think that would be the more. If this is a modern movie slash story, that would be the thing of like each section can be isolated and incinerated that no no living thing, bacteria, virus or otherwise could possibly live in that. Um, Like they essentially like napalm the chamber, all rooms and chambers or integrate all organic life, you know. But that should that should be the case with this one, even so, because if each level is a different level of decontamination, yeah, you're obviously not bringing viruses from one floor to the other, yeah. So it should work in the reverse too, where you could yeah. destroy them, destroy destroy any virus that is there. Mm. Like there's no, like there's no there should be no trace of the Andromeda. The Andromeda strain itself is on level five. Yeah. So there's no trace of it on level four. Yeah. Otherwise, they would need to go through the same. They would need to go through the same procedure on every floor. Then. Yeah, yeah. Rather than uh, each floor. So they should that should that was like, I guess that's a big mistake that Stone made. 
uh, jumping straight to the nuclear option. But I guess it's just the safest option. It's just like That's if we it. fuck yeah, yeah. up, then everything is destroyed. And you know what? The tr- I guess as we learn later in the film that it's more about building uh, a, a weapon, it's probably more about destroying the evidence than containing the virus. Uh, I love that moment where um, Hall goes for the the relay station to with the key and the in the chamber they're in is one where they haven't finished building it yet and it just has a, yeah. literally has a tag hanging out of it saying like under construction and he's just like well at least they won't see our mistakes <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's great like i love how, how like how high tech the lab is and then there's just like some wires hanging out of a wall where yeah. they haven't finished I, I thought for a moment he was going to be like you have an engineering degree Why can't you just cross some wires and stop it or something <laughs> yeah. i thought that's where that was gonna go um uh, maybe nowadays it might yeah um don't don't you know how to hack this it's like um yeah <laughs> if spielberg if spielberg made it as a instead of jurassic park maybe <laughs> it went that route there'd have been some kids in it uh, like. did you did you read that thing that um spielberg uh worked on it uh, he worked in Universal at the time, and he gave Michael Crichton I, a tour of the set. Uh, yeah, well, I think a, a tour of just Universal Studios. He was working like, <laughs> like driving driving the tour bus around. <laughs> yeah, like he was a young. He he just like signed on to do like TV show, like to to direct fucking TV oh, movies and frozen. stuff for them. So he was just like yeah. some young kid that yeah. was hanging around. You froze on me there again, just so you know. Well, I. S- yeah. Well, I think we should probably wrap it up then if I'm starting, yep. we're starting to freeze and stuff. But I think uh, as far as a, a survivable situation, it is only because, I mean, we're in a facility that uh, is going to detonate Yeah. if anything goes wrong. As we learn in this film, it, it the nuke going off could uh, spell the end of the world. But um, yeah, I think we're, we, we'd be fairly prepared to, well, to, to just wrap up the scenario. So we have to do what Hall done in the film yeah. and get to level three and avoid, because there's like all these traps to stop uh, escaped animals from carrying anything that they may have been contaminated with. So we've got to avoid all these lasers and stuff. Yeah. So one of us could take the other's key and then just use, <laughs> use the other as a shield. And that's how you get by the lasers. Oh, I think there's definitely only one person so gets through the gas and the lasers. Yeah, he's, he sacrificed one. The, well, now the gas, I think that's very, the gas is just rising up from the bottom. I think we could outrun the gas. Because oh, yeah. that's designed, <laughs> I, I it's did designed think, for escaped monkeys. So yeah, I did think um, during, even though it was quite tense, there was a few moments during that scene where Hall um, just like, takes way too long to do stuff yeah there's also the thing so so he hall has to to stop the nuke by getting to another floor and there's all these booby traps going off and there's he's climbing up a ladder and he's been directed by stone in the control room he can see it all on closed circuit video and he keeps telling like hall be climbing the ladder and he'll go okay duck now and then Hall just like move to the side and he'll avoid a laser. But there's no instruction of like, well, duck down. Do I move to the left? Move to the right? It's just like, <laughs> he just keeps shouting duck and Hall doesn't duck. He just moves to the side oh, yeah, and avoids yeah. a laser. <laughs> and it's just, there's no, it's 
not choreographed at all. Oh yeah. Um, that's that's a very typical of a film from the sixties or seventies where they just they don't. There's no such thing as choreography. Yeah, any, I know what you mean it. Any yeah. scene like that. It's like they're two two actors recorded very separately from each other, and they both just did their own thing. And, yeah, yeah. You know. Like a fight scene in Star Trek in the original <laughs> like movies. But also, like if, if we're basing it on the film, yeah, uh, yeah. You were saying he moves so slow. The la- like I I could scale that ladder in about two minutes, no problem. Less. Oh, easy. Uh, he takes, he he climbs over a rail and, and has to like get around to the other side of the ladder just to climb. And it takes him like, it takes him about 30 seconds to do that. That's just like one fluid movement. I'm pretty sure I could get over a rail and, and onto a ladder. Yeah, there's right? loads of moments where like, he's just, he's just hanging out of the ladder like waiting for more instructions when he was already given the instruction to go to just get up to the third floor or you know like he's yeah, got a, yeah. it's bizarre yeah um, but it's just yeah but actually it's time. it's probably the it's probably the tense tensest 10 minutes of, of movie i've seen in a long time yeah maybe. oh no it is and it is well made yeah. like even that scene but just um if we're putting ourselves into that scenario, we're in this facility. Like we have to forget about the the time period or that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks very, very doable to get up that ladder and to that floor. I don't think that's an issue. To me, the hardest the hardest thing is getting out of the the suit with the accordion thing behind oh, yeah, it when he that he gets the nurse to cut him out of, yeah. and um, yeah. with the scalpel and stuff like. That I was watching that, like, that ages, was yeah. nail biting because I was like, you've got five minutes. And by the time he actually starts going, because they figured out that they need to stop the nuke and that it's safe and all that kind of stuff is a few is a minute or two. So he only has like, say, of the five minutes, three minutes to get up. I think, yeah, three yeah. minutes at that stage is a short time considering all the escape room shit he has to do first. Yeah, <laughs> he um. He manages to get the key in with eight seconds left. Really, it was thirty seconds though. They really dragged out the last bit of tension. Yeah, where yeah. He, like he puts the key in and then he falls because he and he has to like reach up to turn the key. Yeah, but that was pure like <laughs> just try to drag it out as much as possible. When he put the key in and like didn't turn it, I was like, why didn't you turn? It? <laughs> yeah. Like, he know because he knows it has to be turned. You see the the first one that's the arms earlier in the film is turned. Right. Uh, I think we could at least the one thing we could definitely do better. Well, for I think we could. I, well, speaking for myself anyway, I could definitely scale that ladder quicker yeah, than he yeah. did. But I think we'd uh, we'd get it in with thirty seconds left. I know that. For I was going to say be like <laughs> in one minute and fifty eight seconds remaining or something. <laughs> I know, but thirty seconds is. Fair enough. It's the ladder he slows down. I think because you had said it, one of us replaces, say, the nurse as a character. So it's one of us has to cut the other one out of their suit. And then it's like, (laughs) sorry. It's like, I cut you out of your suit. And then I'm like, Johnny, come on, cut me out too. And you're like, no, I gotta go. I'm like, come on, come on, cut me out too. We both have a key. Like... (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm going. Like, 
<laughs> I just thought, or I end up cutting you out, and then we're just like, we just hear ten seconds left, and it's like, oh, we'll never make it now, and it's like, oh wait, a minute, I could have just got the key off you. And you're just like, oh. Oh, silly us. <laughs> we just realised we didn't need to do it. And the place just erupts. Yeah. No, I think, but you see, I think if we if we have to do it as a team, it'd be a case that, the, that both of us have to put in the key. I don't think Stone Yeah, it takes have, two keys. It'd be engineered, yeah. And you have to turn it at it'd the same like, time, it, like in, in heist yeah, movies. Yeah, which is, yeah. But which is that, isn't that like, that's when you, when you see like... Um, Oh no, we're just going to get side. No, but yeah, launch, launching the nuclear weapons is you're going to turn them at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's usually like three or four keys. Like, yeah. Um, in this scenario, it's probably maybe it's fingerprints as well. That's what you would do now. Yeah, but uh, I think we'd wrap it up there. We would survive the movie and the book, the Andromeda Strain. But uh, I'm not sure anybody would survive it if it was ever real unleashed for real. Yeah, although. At the end of the movie, it's suggested that because the Andromeda strain is still out there in the atmosphere by the end of the movie, but it's already moving away and has mutated to a point that it's not even a threat anymore. Yeah, and then is made null by the acidity or alkaline levels. Of the yeah, the cloud seed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so essentially, it becomes that it was the what they were going to do would have been the only thing that would have. Uh, been a threat to the world essentially if they gave it the energy it needed to to make that next yeah, mutation brilliant yeah uh, but I think we'll wrap it up there I think maybe maybe next week we should do like um, or next week depending on how well we do in the My Roadcast competition uh, the, the China Syndrome I think that could be a good follow up oh yeah that's a, I've, or, I have, I've or Deep actually... Impact which is another another threat from space oh yeah why don't we go? We could do both. Why don't we go um, deep impact and then the week after then do China it. syndrome? Yeah, I, I think that'd be good. I, I recently watched Deep Impact, so it's fresh in my mind. Um, yeah, well, then we do a deep impact first. Yeah, then. yeah, uh, and we'll record them uh, within the next two weeks. But whether people hear them within the next two, it could be three months before people hear them, depending Johnny, on how we it do. could be twelve, but. It's good. I think it's good to mention what we'll do next. Yeah, at the end of a podcast too, so as people can watch. Yeah, them. I think so. Deep, deep uh, impact next. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unless we we end up deciding to do like wrong turn. <laughs> yeah, we have a bunch of episodes we want to do. We might do wrong turn shortly too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I like this threat from space theme now that we found. I suppose. So, yeah, so is well, it? Did, yeah. Is it now? Space Tober. I'm just saying. <laughs> well i was also going to say or or we could do more michael crichton stuff so we could do westworld oh yeah and then we could do the kong we could do congo and call that apetober 2 the second <laughs> annual the second annual apetober happened in three months after the first and we might finally <laughs> get to mighty joe young the idea of doing Apetober twice the same year and once <laughs> in July <laughs> like, just to make it ultra confusing uh, so I don't know have we decided that now I feel like we have don't even know what episode we'll do next it's probably going to be Deep yeah, Impact, be deep impact. <laughs> until then vote for us on the My Roadcast competition link in the description and have a nice apocalypse stay safe and be prepared <laughs> <laughs>